Hi, this is Jim Brangenberg, the host of the I Work For Him radio show. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast, where we discuss our workplace as our mission field. The live version of our show can be heard each weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern on AM 570 and 910 WTBN, locally in the Tampa Bay area, and worldwide on the web at letstalkfaith.com or iHeartRadio. Our website, iWorkForHim.com, has great resources on how you can learn about how your workplace can be your mission field. And also check out the sponsors that bring you the radio show each and every day. And while you're there on I Work For Him, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and prayerfully consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Join thousands around the globe praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. That's IWorkForHim.com, IWork, the number four, Him.com. Remember, your workplace is your mission field, and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You've tuned to the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. And boy, do we got a show packed for you today. We're going to talk with a Christian rap star, and then we're going to talk with a guy who raps on boards and makes beds in St. Petersburg for families who don't have beds for their kids. What gifts have you been given from birth? What what were you just naturally good at? Do you have a great voice? Do you have strong hands? Do you just have a willing heart? Are you allowing God to use these for his glory? Or are you using them for your glory? Every day on I Work For Him, we try to bring on guests that are from a different part of culture, that are from a different part of society, and yet they're putting their God-given gifts, their passion for Christ into action. Today, a first on I Work For Him. We've never had a Christian rap star on I Work For Him. That's not because I'm against Christian rap. It's because I never met one before. Today, we've got Nigel Legend Anderson joining us from the Rena- from Renaissance Movement Music. Nigel, well, uh, you want me to call you Nigel or Legend on the show today? Uh, legend works for branding purposes. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so that you can use the show, the rest, of, put it on your website. We got Legend on the air today. Legend, I just, I, I'm grateful for just getting to meet you when we got to meet a couple months ago at the Nehemiah Project, Nehemiah Week. And when yeah, I got man. to, that was a blessing. It was a blessing. It was so fun to get in touch with people from all across the world who are learning to uh, just see God's plan in their business plan. I think that's really cool. But before we get into all of that, and before we get into your Christian rap lifestyle, let's talk about how have you noticed the Lord getting involved in the intimate details of your life recently? I think challenging me on... um on the on the things I didn't want to be stretched on. Like you mentioned in, in your intro, you got gifts and stuff that just come natural to you and things you can do very well. But then there's those areas of your life that you aren't naturally acclimated to or drawn to. And then when the Lord shines a light on those and starts to stretch you, uh, you know what I mean? For example, uh, just the other day, I'm reading uh, uh, good news about injustice because of a project we're focused on. And, and uh, Gary uh, Hagen gets to a part about Christian courage and how that's the top of all virtues, a quote from C.S. Lewis. And then that very same day, I walked past a guy who I've seen in my community homeless several times, and the Lord would not let me, you know, walk past and give him a kind word. I had to stop and jump into his life. And as I do that, um, another homeless person walks up, and, 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 I'm, and I'm not allowed to divert and get about my scheduled day. I have to stay there. And we ended up spending hours trying to find some shelter for her and her kids. And then another guy, and it's, it took up 
half of my day. And my flesh was like, yo, your day is destroyed. You can't keep your schedule. <laughs> <laughs> and the other part of me was like, uh, you know, uh, Mary, Mary, you know, Martha is, has done the thing that's more important. Uh, and you're worried about all this other stuff. And and I was sitting there like, Jesus, if, only, if anybody gets to disrupt my schedule, it's you. And I walked away having had the privilege to jump into three people's lives and experience their pain and hopefully offer a little bit of hope that somebody cared about them in a non-condescending way. Um, and, you know, and I'm sitting here in my house now, and, and, and hopefully God is taking care of them beyond where I could have. Of course, he can't. But it stretched me beyond just doing talking about Jesus on records, actually making sure that I'm in somebody's life off of it. And what a privilege it was for you to be Jesus under the least of these. Whatever you do under the least of these, you're doing under me. What a great privilege that was. Talk to me about... You know, when we met at the Nehemiah Project, how did you get involved in the Nehemiah Project? Because I'm so passionate about it. In a week and a half, we've got three kids coming on from the young entrepreneurs, the young biblical nice. entrepreneurs. I'm so excited to hear from them. But how did you get involved in the Nehemiah Project? Uh, just through friends. I was, uh, you know, plugged in with the guy who ran the Norfolk Area Baptist Association where I live in Virginia. He started putting out stuff about biblical entrepreneurship years ago, and my wife and I jumped in. Uh, we went through courses one and two, and then Patrice flew in for three, and we just hit it off. And he said, man, I need to bring you to Portland uh, to rap with some of my people and to come to Nehemiah Week. So he brought us out there that year, and we just stayed plugged in. And I come to Nehemiah Week about every other year now. So, Legend, talk to me about your ministry, because it's – listen, and I just – I have to be total – I'm just total – I'm going to divulge totally. I have zero musical talent. I have a lot of musical appreciation. Um, I can rhyme occasionally, but that's as good as it gets. And my wife would say, that's not real good. So talk to me about your ministry, because this is, this is exciting, because there's a lot of people that want to hear, can, can a Christian guy really be a rap star? Well, yeah, man. I, I, you know, I've had that question, too. Like, I, I grew up in hip-hop. I love hip-hop, you know, pre-Jesus and all of that. And then, you know, met the Lord and had questions about how can uh, my style of music and the culture that I'm from mesh with the gospel and Christianity and do those things even intersect. And uh, it was some people that lived it out for me. Like, my wife dragged me, knowing I loved hip-hop, she dragged me kicking and screaming to a Christian hip-hop show. And I was like, I don't want to go to that. That sounds stupid. And she took me to it. And I saw guys living out their faith. They look like me. They talk like me. They, they, uh, they, uh, the gospel was communicated in the way that I could hear it in the dialect that I was used to listening to. And uh, the art was amazing with the music they did. And I was like, man, you can really do this. And I started a Renaissance movement that night at IHOP. Um, I was like, we're going to do this to you. And, uh, so you, you wait, did you just that. say you started at an IHOP? Sure did. Whipped out a yellow <laughs> legal pad, wrote down the vision, made it plain, and said, let's roll. And that was was that over blueberry pancakes with blueberry pancake syrup, or what, what, what were we eating that night? I think I was too hyped to eat. I think I got a glass of water, wrote it down, and left. So. Wow, that's pretty cool. All right, so let me just ask another ignorant question, and I apologize. Hip-hop and rap, are they the same? Uh, and when you go into a, a music store, which doesn't really exist anymore, or if you look online, like it'll say hip-hop slash rap, there's, there's really been no differentiation for, for the most part from a sales perspective. But anybody that's kind of plugged in would kind of say hip-hop is the culture and rap is the music. So hip-hop is a culture all in its own, uh, the way you carry yourself, what you think, how you handle yourself. And then uh, rap is kind of the music that will come out of that rhythm and poetry. That's what people would say. Uh, but 
you know, if you say hip hop music, nobody's going to correct you. It's not really a big deal. I don't think. Mm, I don't, but I'd, I'd rather you know treat people right and actually explain things the way they're supposed to be explained. So, talk to me about the ministry that then birthed out of this IHOP ministry movement where God got into your life and intersected at an IHOP, and you said Renaissance Movement Music came out of that. Yeah, I had a I had a group back in the day, man, just, you know, in high school called the Renaissance, and I was like, gee, I don't know what to call it. I don't know. Oh, I'm going to take that name. We'll call it Renaissance Movement Music. And just, I always Renaissance always stuck with me, and as I looked into Renaissance, it actually means rebirth, change in a better way, but mainly re- rebirth. And then you look at what Renaissance was in the past, and it was a, 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 a birthing of the arts kind of overtaking all things, science and religion and all that type of stuff, and then a rising of modernism that says, well, we don't need God. We got we have ourselves. And that's what the Renaissance is known for. So when I think about Renaissance, I want to think about the rebirth that comes from the gospel that says God is over all things. And all these things are great, but these things have to be submitted to God through the gospel. And so I want to reclaim, in lack of a better term, what Renaissance should mean and what true rebirth is because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we just started to make art that communicates that. Well, and there's a lot of people going, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. I've seen, well, and part of the problem with understanding the hip-hop movement and rap music is that people don't understand the culture and everything they know about that culture they watched on TV. Which, right. <laughs> which, that's just sad to say, but I just, I'm speaking for a lot of people where I know the ignorance is explosive because they see it and they think, well, TV is describing it perfectly. You know, Legend, I was thinking... I was going to ask you the question, how do you use rap to communicate the gospel? But I thought it might be better for you to demonstrate that as opposed to just answer the question. Can you do that for us? Sure, man. You ready? I'm ready. Nice. A lot of times it feels like it's not mine. Like I lost my place in line. Like it's not my time. It's like I'm acting from a script, but it's not my lines. Sometimes I feel like that these problems are not divine. See, sinners reject the gospel and people casting stones. Some folks don't like my clothes, so they don't like my songs. And rappers' holiness ain't far past the microphone, so sometimes I'm feeling like, are we in this fight alone? Then I'm reminded of the Christ who sits upon the throne, who said that I will never leave you, so you'll never be alone. His spirit comforts me, even when the heat is on. He gives me inspiration just so I can speak these poems. I live the same way, whether or not to beat his own, and been through too much to play God like to each his own. So what I'm speaking on, I really hope will seep in domes, because we don't know what to pray. The spirit intercedes with groans. Wow. And... Because people can understand all those words and the passion behind them, I mean, I, I got to imagine the conversations you have with people after you perform have got to be amazing. What are those conversations like? And we've had um, we've had people tell us that they wanted to kill themselves uh, that night, but they came to one last show and uh, and decided not to kill themselves anymore. We've had people turn away from drugs. We've had people. Um, you know, come and confess things and, and able to pray for people in the most, in the, in the worst of situations. Um, and, and the funny thing is, it's from all spectrums of life. We've had the, the weirdest people show up to our shows. When I say weird, I mean people you don't expect to be at hip hop shows, white, black, young, old, rich, poor, uh, and people pulling you to the side. Like, I haven't told anybody this, but would you pray for me about boom, boom, boom. So we've seen, we've had every facet of a conversation almost you can think of. And it's kind of one of those things, the, the, the foolish things in this world that confound the wise. Not that hip-hop is foolish, but in the sense of you wouldn't expect this. People put God in his little nice comfy box and, well, this is how God moves and this is how everybody else moves. And he'll be doing something right, around, right under your nose and you can't miss it because you're in your box, not him. And God has been so good to just show us. You know, we, we used to have a young lady used to rap with us. We went to Europe and did a little bit of a show with her and do a bit of a tour. Then she gave her testimony of child molestation and how God delivered her from that. 
And if you could have seen the line of young ladies that lined up oh. to talk to her um, and just say, I haven't told anybody this, but, and how should we stay there for three hours after the show just to protect her while she prayed for a line of young women who were just weeping um, and looking to God for hope now. You know what I mean? So that's what we see happening at rap shows because people will come there and won't come to your church service. And and that is so true. And yet people struggle with that. They're like, "Well, come on, you got to bring them to church." You're like, "No way, those people are going to church." That is that is such a phenomenal out of the box ministry, which is exactly what God thrives in. He loves it when we let him out of the box and let the Holy Spirit lead in ways that people it, that it that it it just confounds logic. I mean, it, it was, it's a quote from Charles Spurgeon, right? He says, uh, you know, how do you defend God? You know, say you defend a lion. You don't defend the lion. You let him out of the cage. He'll defend himself. And so, you know, we let, we try to put God in this box. And he's like, no, guys, I've never been in the box. I'm over here. You're trying to build a box and missing me. And so we're trying to tell God what's happening. And he's all the time showing us what's happening and we're missing out. So we've got to go join him. You know, where's the grace? You know what I mean? I love that. Yeah, we got. Yeah, we got to let God. We got to stop thinking God can fit in our own box. We got. It's just so ridiculous. We got to let God be God, and we've got to learn to be, understand the the meaning of the word Lord, because we so often we don't even understand what that means. I want to go back to something you wrote in your bio. You said in your bio that you started to get into rap because of your fatherless childhood. How did yeah. God redeem all of that for His good? Well, I. My dad, had, you know, got into, around the time I was born, alcoholism turned into drugs and all that. And after, you know, failed rehab attempts, my mom left, moved back to Virginia Beach where I was raised, where her family was. So I didn't see my dad for 15 years. Uh, at 20, he reaches out, says, I want to see you. He comes down to Virginia Beach, tries to make things right. I won't forgive him. I send him back to Washington, D.C., where he had been living at that point as a junkie. And, uh, and, and I just kind of... You know, didn't want to deal with him. But nine months after that, and I wasn't walking with the Lord at the time, nine months after that, the Lord kind of broke my heart. I called him and said, hey, man, I just want to forgive you. I want to let it go. I want to learn what it's like to have a dad. And, uh, and you know, he accepted it. You know, we're crying on the phone. And he's like, can I come down this weekend? I'm like, no, no, it's too soon. We'll do that real soon. And uh, and then he, uh, you know, that that was actually our last phone call. Right after that phone call, he passed away. And, uh, oh. you know, heart gave out and all types of stuff. So our last conversation was, I forgive you and I love you. And, uh, you know, because of that, that happened and a whole bunch of other things started falling apart, business endeavors, some other relationships. And it just seemed like my whole life was, you know, imploding on itself. And I hit my knees and said, Jesus, if you, if you really are who grandma says you are, I need you right now. And that was the moment when God quickened my heart to who he was. It wasn't a, I cried out, he responded. And uh, I've never been the same. And that's what something that I just remind people that, listen, when everybody that met Jesus in the Bible, everybody that met him, their lives were never the same again. And that's, that should be all of our stories. And I often remind people, listen, if there's nothing about you that's been changed, did you really meet the Jesus that I met? Because my life's never been the same. And it's, yeah. it's an encouragement and it's a challenge. So let's go back to Renaissance movement music, because this is your heart. This is your passion. What is your, yes, go- what's your goal? With Renaissance Movement Music, what are you trying to do? You know, for between now and twenty twenty, what are you trying to do with this ministry? I want to see a movement of artists use their gifts to influence culture uh, towards the gospel, uh, versus in- using their art to influence culture against the gospel. Uh, so when I'm long, you know, said and done, and I've, I've hung up my microphone, I want to uh, change the standard of what art, what good art should be, particularly good hip hop should be, and I want to see a whole movement of artists rising up, saying, you know what, I'm going to dedicate my art for something better than just making money 
or uh, making money with a bad message and then doing good things with that money. I want to change the messaging, too. Um, I just want to see artists rise up and think and know they can do something more helpful than that. Um, the most tangible example of that, I guess, is that uh, aside from the fact Renaissance Movement Music is a label, our websites are in music.tv, but we also have a I left my job a couple years ago to focus on it full-time, and we've also started a nonprofit called Expect Renaissance, expectrenaissance.org. And one of the things that we're doing now is we went to Africa in April and had the privilege to work at an orphan care center in Soshenguve in Pretoria. And uh, we saw these kids over there, and uh, they were just amazed that not only were Americans there, not only were African-American American males were there, but also rappers were there. And these kids were blown away because they're living in shacks, but they have access to the latest hip-hop, and some of the messaging wasn't great. And uh, I asked the people, what could I do for these kids? Like, what's next? And they said, man, we really need a safe house, 136 kids here, and they're all in, in danger of sex trafficking. Sometimes they go home and we don't see them anymore. Um, so just to make a long story short, uh, we, went, we, we came back, and after a few months, the Lord would not allow it to leave our minds, and we just dedicated ourselves right now. We're recording it. We're making an album that'll be out the top of the year, and the whole goal of the album, the whole goal of the album, is to use uh, all of our gifts and skills and sell the record so that we can build a safe house in Pretoria for those kids. What kind of money do you need to raise in order to be able to do that? A hundred thousand dollars for the safe house. Uh, their money is fourteen times ours, so that's one point four million rand, and that will be what they need for the safe house. And we're currently raising twenty thousand to get the album done right now via our Kickstarter. And uh, we have a website, safehouseproject.org, that's got a video with uh, Kira's Global, who we're partnering with, Dr. Marshes and Jenny. They just got back to South Africa yesterday. And um, and uh, it's got the Kickstarter and, and link to give to the safe house and all of that stuff. Wow, that's fantastic. And that's this God's given you this gift, and he's given you the ability to connect in into a part of our culture that very few people could break into because you, you, you need to understand it, which you lived in it, and you need to be able to communicate in it, which you can because you lived in it. How, what's your plan for continuing to bridge that gap between your life as a Christ follower but a rap star with typical rap that we hear that when I'm pull, pulled up next to a guy and he's, play, and he's playing that kind of music in his car— I got to roll up my windows because I don't want to hear that stuff because it'll stick in my head the rest of the day. How, what's your plan to continue to bridge that gap? Yeah, I could dig it. I would say, I would say the first thing would be you know, to make sure our hearts are sensitive. We don't know where people come from. So when we hear somebody playing something, uh, don't assume that, as, as silly as it may sound, that, that that person playing that endorses all of the stuff going on in music. Uh, that's the first assumption because otherwise you can turn your nose up at somebody playing something. Like, if we all looked at what we consumed as entertainment and, and, and uh, you know, put somebody in the box based on that, we wouldn't be able to watch half of the movies or shows we do because we'd be looking at everybody crazy. You know what I mean? So that's number one. <laughs> number two would be, I would just say, like, the, um, the, the plan for, for me is just to make good art because no matter where anybody is, they respect good art. Like, back to the movie scenario, we watch movies that endorse content that we don't agree with because the art is good. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And uh, we want to make good art that points to something different. And hip-hop's never been scared of spirituality anyway. Um, so you can bring up... What do you mean by that? Wait, wait, wait. What do you mean by that? Because I, you know, I've never heard that before, because I've never heard another hip-hop song. Not that I've heard a lot, but I, I've never heard one or heard of one that really endorsed the pursuit of Christ or religion. Well, yeah, well, well, yeah there's plenty. I mean, and, and, and every single every single religious... Uh, 
you know, ideology has pretty much been brought to the table of hip-hop, and hip-hop culture will listen as long as the art is good. So you have different ideologies brought to the table. Like, matter of fact, one of the biggest stars out there right now, Kendrick Lamar, he talks about Jesus all the time in his music. Now, he has some other language surrounding it, so therefore some people automatically assume, well, he can't genuinely be a Christ follower because look at this song. But then you hear the other song where he writes about Jesus and his second coming and how we need to repent. And you're like, wait a minute, where'd that come from? So there's never been hip-hop that's been scared of spirituality. It's just if you're in a certain box, you you end up in a certain market. And that's kind of what Lecrae and guys like him are, are fighting to bridge the gap between. So well, my point is... Go ahead. No, no, I was just saying my point is, is is that good art gets listened to by people. We'll have people listen to our music that know that we're Christian hip-hoppers, and they'll be like... Oh wow, that's 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 dope. And then we'll have people who have no idea, and they'll listen to it. and They're like, "Wait a minute! Like you talking about you talking about Jesus in this?" But this is dope though. And and they'll listen, and they're like, "Wow, this is crazy! I didn't know you could rap like this." And so, if our art is good, people can get to the message. If the art is bad, the message is irrelevant. In that point. All right, we're running out of time, but I really want to give you a chance to answer this question. I'm a I'm a white guy, I grew up in the suburbs, and my exposure to hip hop, rap. And from a church perspective, totally skewed because everybody everybody bashed it. Now I've I have heard of many great <laughs> Christian. Oh, well, I'm just being honest. Speak oh yeah, for, I get it. you got you got thirty seconds. Speak to those people that are out there listening, like me, who are intimidated by the culture, but help them understand how it's being brought to Christ. I would just say, judge it on two things: judge it on art and content. You know, if the content is is somewhere defaming, then cool, reject it. But uh, listen to the art and then listen to the content of it. A lot of people use the content for better things, even if it's not specifically saying Christ. We want to specifically say Christ and redeem what the name the hip-hop has gotten because of the industry and commercialization. So Legend, don't be afraid for, of it. Thanks for joining us and I work for him today. Find out more about Legend on rmmusic.tv, rmmusic.tv. Legend, it was awesome. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Thanks, Jim, for having me. You bet. You can find out more about Legend online, rmmusic.tv, renaissancemovementmusic.tv. All right. Now, today is, we broke the show up into two different parts today because I had two guys that had great stories who were taking the the gifts, talents, and abilities that God has given them and putting them into action. We just got done hearing Legend's story. And he talked about the fact that his excellence in his artwork as a Christian rap star really brings glory to God and opens up amazing conversations. Well, I had the privilege of meeting Coulter Boyle about three months ago at Bridgepoint Church. And basically, it blew my mind the ministry that he was involved in, and I wanted you guys to hear about it because you know what? This is a ministry that everybody can get involved in. Coulter Boyle, welcome to I Work For Him. Thanks, Tim. You know, I'm I'm just excited to share with everybody what you guys are doing because what you guys are doing at Bridgepoint is something that could be replicated across the country. But before we get to that, just share with me, how did the Lord surprise you in 2016? Well, I don't, I don't know if it's a, a surprise, maybe a, a pleasant reminder that you know, I've looked back over the year and I've had the privilege of being around so many people that, um, that are willing to give themselves away and are just uh, what you'd hope hope for. It, it stands in stark contrast to kind of the way the world seems to be working. We've just been through a, a tough political campaign. You listen to the news, and things are so negative. But I've just been around so many people that are uh, just, just so good about giving themselves away, thinking about others, not just themselves. And we live in such a 
a me-driven world, and it's uh, refreshing, affirming. It's heartening to me to be around so many folks who are just uh, just the opposite of that. So it's been it's been a great year. Well, and that's one of the things that, boy, that's what the church is supposed to be, a place where we can go and get encouraged by others, a place where people can say, hey, listen, Coulter, you've got these skills. Let me encourage you. Let me show you what, actually, nobody will ever say. Let me show you what I'm doing so you can copy me. They're just demonstrating through service, and it's inspiring, and and, and that's the kind of church I want to be part of, somewhere where everybody's going, hey, I can do that. Would you come alongside me and help me do this? Absolutely. So let's dig into work. What's your current job? Well, I'm actually in my 11th year of retirement. So, um, okay. So that's what I want to get to the point. So you're retired. You are my first, I retire for him highlight (laughs) testimony because when I met you and you had mentioned that you're retired, I just wanted everybody to hear it. I didn't want, I didn't want to plug it. Okay. So you're retired yet. You're very young. You're retired very young. But you you didn't sit there and say, oh, I'm going to go play golf the rest of my life. You said, not that everybody that retires says that. My father-in-law is listening. I know that's not him. But let's let's talk about the Lord led you to say, hey, there's got to be more. i got to get involved. And you're involved in some really cool stuff. Yeah, sure am. I sure am. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of started out a few years being a little self-directed, um, but... Um, you know, just three years ago, uh, I put my full trust in Jesus Christ and, and found Bridgepoint. So, to your to your point, when you're in a community that says, you know, we've invested in you, invest in others, um, so much opportunity to do that. It's been a it's been a great workplace. I mean, I, I like the way you described that. It, it is a great workplace. You know, it it, it we're not. We're never finished. You know, the other thing about that is we're, we're constantly challenged to grow, change. And, um, and so at 68, uh, I'm still growing. I'm still changing. And uh, it's a good environment to be in. So good place so to be. You only became a Christ follower three years ago. But, you know, I, I, I knew who Jesus was. But I, I found at that point that I had not really trusted him. I didn't understand what trust was. And um, so I did. Just three years ago, uh, September 29, uh, three years ago. That's fantastic. So yeah. how, you know, three years, so you were already past that magical retirement age. You'd already been retired, yep. and you become a Christ follower. How did that shift your paradigm as you looked at life behind you and ahead of you? Yeah, looking, I guess looking back, I, I realized even just those eight years of retirement before I knew I really totally trusted Christ, I realized how much energy I was spending trying to direct myself as opposed to saying, okay, Lord, you've got plenty for me to do. Let me, just tell me, show me. Uh, And so much easier. I got to spend my energy doing things as opposed to uh, worrying about what I wasn't doing. And uh, big change, big change. Mm. So we're we're going to talk today. When we met at Bridgepoint's, I can't remember the name of the conference right now. It's just totally the Reach. Up. It was called the Reach Conference. That's right, yeah. the Reach Conference. Thank you for helping me. Mm-hmm. The, when we met, you were talking about this program, this thing that you guys are doing at Bridgepoint called Build a Bed. Yes. What is this program all about? Well, you know, there, there, it's estimated there there are seven thousand children in Pinellas County, Florida who go to bed at night without a bed. 
Well, let's no let's just stop there for a second because not everybody listening today is in Florida. Pinellas County, Florida, is where you'd find St. Petersburg and Clearwater Beach. So if right. you've heard those two names, that's Pinellas County is about a million people. We're a peninsula off the peninsula of Florida, surrounded by water on three and a half sides. Go ahead. So anyway, when uh, when I heard about that, actually uh, the first person, the person that brought build of that to to Bridgepoint was our pastors Lawrence Donna Whipple, who saw this at work in Western Kentucky, said, Hey, I know this is a need in St. Petersburg and brought it to Bridgepoint and just two years ago, actually August two thousand fourteen. And that's when it all got started. And um, um it's uh, growing and um and we uh, we are touching more and more children uh, month by month by month. So. All right, so we're talking today with Coulter Boyle, who's, who goes to Bridgepoint Church in St. Petersburg, and we're talking about their Build a Bed program. And this is designed to help put beds in the hands of kids who are sleeping maybe on the floor, maybe on a mattress on the floor. Right. But, but when you sleep on the floor, you get access to there's bugs, there's fleas, there's all kinds of stuff. This is really, to, it's a health issue, it's a heart issue. But let's talk about, in your church, who gets to be involved in building these beds? I mean, is this just you building beds every day, or what? Well, you know, what we do is we're now building these beds 200 at a time. So three or four times a year, we have 100 or more people who will gather at a a warehouse that we rent uh, to store all of our supplies, and we will take a pile of lumber, cut it, drill it, and assemble 200 headboards, footboards, sideboards, and sets of slats. And, and we put those in, a, in inventory, and then over the next few months, we deliver them and assemble them in the homes of all the children who don't have beds. Now, it's not just the headboard, the footboard, the, the sideboards, and the slats. When we were talking, you don't you deliver a mattress. Absolutely. But, but you yeah. also didn't, what, weren't there some bed clothes that go with it as well? What, what we do, you know, when you think about when you're, you're talking about what, what impact this has, imagine a child going to school and how effective they're going to be in school, uh, not only being tired, but, you know, it's a self-esteem issue to not have a bed. So what we do is we have a bed, the mattress, the pillow sheets, pillowcase, the comforter, the whole bit, so that when we deliver a bed and when our team leaves the house, it's a bed ready to sleep in. So it's a, we, we try to make the bedding, you know, age appropriate, gender appropriate. We actually have each child in mind, their age, and, and, and uh, try to, to put all bedding and all those kinds of things together that tell them that they're special, that we thought about them. We also give them you know, a toothbrush, toothpaste, shampoo, uh, a little stuffed animal, if, age, if it's age-appropriate, to say to them, you know what, we're, we're thinking about you. You're special. You know, we've got you in mind. And uh, we tell them we love them that way. You know, we, it's just not uh, a piece of furniture. I think the thing we deliver, in, in, as much as uh, the bed itself is, the love that we show these children who, who we've never met and may never see again. But it's evident that uh, they see that when, when we're there in their home. So I'll, talk to, I also talk. want to mention, Jen, just one yeah. quick thing. There are seven slats in this bed, we, uh, and we paint those, and we put scriptures on the slats. So one of the big impacts when we're in a home and we put these, start putting these beds together, we put these seven slats in, 
it, it, it kind of knocks these kids out and, and the parents. They're all sometimes brought to tears by the fact that they're sleeping on the Scripture. And it's just another way for us to say to them that we're, only, we're here because we are investing in you. We want to, we're actually serving you because Christ you know, gave himself for us. We give ourselves for you. Big did impact. You, did you ever imagine your retirement could be so fulfilling? I did not. And actually, I saw eight years where it was not very fulfilling because I was trying to do the things that I thought I should be doing, and I wasn't listening, you know. And it is dramatically different. It is, I mean, I can't tell you. I, I feel like I got promoted to be a servant. It's it's really great. It is mm. uh, for for those who are looking for something to do, uh, start with letting letting God tell you what to do. Sit back, be patient, but then be persistent, and um, you'll you'll get your promotion. It'll be good. Now, when we talked, you I mean, you're a retired guy. You said you were 68 years old, and yeah. but there, you showed me pictures of of when all those people come together and build those 200 beds. There's lots of people of all kinds of ages getting together to help build these beds at Bridgepoint Church. Absolutely. When we have 100 or 125 people, we'll have children and folks uh, to my age, you know, either, uh, you know, using a drill, drilling holes, putting the beds together, painting the slats. It's, um, it is a celebration of sorts. You find people who are so excited about the idea that they are a part on the beginning end of something that's going to end up uh, helping a child get a good night's sleep. It is... Um, it starts out being a celebration. It's almost like a construction party. Uh, it's, it's a great event, really is. People enjoy I, it so much. I imagine. We're talking today with Coulter Boyle about Bridgepoint Church's program called Build-A-Bed. Bridgepoint Churches, you can find them online. They're in St. Pete. They're, they're right near the Tyrone Mall, and they're downtown St. Pete. Uh, they got a new location down there, and sometime soon, going to be Mid-County in Pinellas. BridgepointFL.com forward slash build a bed, build dash a dash bed. Coulter, when you look at, you got all these beds built, how do you guys find families to deliver these beds to? I mean, do you have to go out and search for them? Well, we, we don't, Jim. We, uh, we are actually in partnership with more than 20 organizations now who are helping families across Pinellas County in a much larger way. Maybe helping them get jobs, get housing, and so when these agencies who are working with these families find children who don't have a bed, they know that we are there to help them. We are, we are merely a stick in their bundle of effort to help the families. Uh, so we, it could be, um, you know, the county has several programs. In, in Pinellas County, there are 130 social workers and counselors who are beginning to know us and family promise. It could be big brothers, big sisters. Um, just the Salvation Army, Suncoast Center, uh, on and on and on. I've learned about so many organizations that are out trying to help families, but when, when this need comes up, this particular need, they're beginning to know us, and they reach out to us. They bring a family to us. We have an online application. They have just a, a little bit of information about the children, where the family lives. That's all it takes for us to um, then put that family on our list to deliver a bed to. Are there other churches that are trying to copy your idea yet? You know, there are some at this REACH conference that you mentioned, we had a few churches express an interest, and we and we say to any church who would like to understand better what we do, we would 
love to help plant other build bed outreaches. So if there are churches interested, um, we're certainly willing to help share what we know and uh, tell them what we're doing. And how do they find out about I mean, I know on the website it's Bridgepoint fl.com forward slash build dash uh dash bed right but that will, I mean, that will tell them kind of what we're doing but they can also just call the church at 727-384-3400 and ask for Kerm Carlberg. he's our outreach pastor and if they have a specific uh question or information we can start there and and whether it's a church or, or an organization that wants to get plugged in and bring families to us uh, they can they can call the church and get directed. Uh, now I got to believe right. that the the impact on Bridgepoint because of this program has got to be enormous. What do you see as the impact on people's lives as they get involved in building and delivering these beds to children all over the county? You know, I've had a chance to watch people talk about build a bed to others, and all, and it, people are so enthused about it, and and many times get choked up about it because if they have not only constructed beds but delivered into the homes, they see the impact. They see how, how children are just, they just um, are so almost euphoric when, when they, uh, they get to have a bed of their very own. It, it, there's, it, it has a huge impact on their lives. So, um, you know, just knowing that, that they've had um, a chance to, to tell a child they love them and, and the children, we've had children, before we can leave in the morning, they'll jump into the pajamas and jump in bed at noon, okay, or 11 o'clock. That's how they, these kids are, are so appreciative of what these folks do, to the, do for them and as they serve them. So, so the, um, the, I mean, the labor is all free for the Build-A-Bed yep. program, but what is yep. each bed and bed set, because you're supplying sheets and, and comforter and that kind of stuff, what does is, what is Bridgepoint have invested in each bed? Well, we by the time we have to buy the mattress, which is the most expensive component, and sure. then all of the lumber for the for the bed, and then all the, the bedding and other supplies, we have almost $200 per bed. So we will, we will deliver almost 600 beds this year alone. So we're talking about $120,000. Uh, that we've um, that we've uh, provided uh, and and served to these families in Pinellas County this year. And people are going, so, well, two hundred bucks sounds like a lot for a bed, but it's not just the bed; it's a headboard, it's a footboard, it's the rails, it's the slats, it's the mattress, it's the sheets, it's the comforter, it's the pillows, it's you know, it may, and the pajamas, and maybe a, a stuffed teddy bear for a younger right. kid or something like that. I mean, there's it's a whole package. That's exactly which, right. Which is probably worth five or six hundred dollars. So where do you guys raise that money? Do you guys have a special campaign for that, or how do you well, raise the money to give it away? We don't, but it's part of the church's uh, mission, uh, local mission, and um, so we we have both international and local mission work. And uh, you know, one of my one of my early concerns, you know, ill place was. Uh, can we? Is there a lid on this? And there isn't. You know, the Bridgepoint says um, to me, whatever, whoever, how many ever children come our way is who we're going to serve. So uh, it's just the generosity of the, of the Christ-following community of Bridgepoint that's just part of our mission work. That's fantastic, Coulter Boyle, with the Build a Bread program at Bridgepoint Church in St. Petersburg. Thanks so much for being on I Work for him today. Okay, Jim. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, you want to find out more about the Build a Bread program, go to bridgepointfl.com.
Florida. Bridgepointfl.com forward slash build dash uh dash bed, build a bed, and find out more about this. Find out how your church can do this in your community. We got people listening all over the world. How can you get involved? These guys will share the designs, their ideas, their budget, and let you know how they can do it, how you can do it in your church. Even if you did it on a smaller scale, it's fantastic. What a great way to make an impact on your community because everybody wants to sleep on a bed. You know, as we come to the end of another I Work For Him show, just want to say Merry Christmas as you spend the weekend shopping and getting prepared. Keep your mind on what this season is all about. It's about Jesus. It's not about the gifts. It's about the ultimate gift, Jesus Christ. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower. My workplace is my mission field. 